0: Hey, everybody, thank you for joining. Chime in on today's episode. We are going to cover the evolution of media coverage. Um, as you all know, social media is king in the space of entertainment, um, just news in general. So, we want to cover how that impacts. All of the coverages, updates, and different things that we see in sports, as well as in pop culture. So, chime in.
1: Let's get into some headlines.
0: Okay. So, what's chiming right now?
1: So, last week, center fielder Mike Trout signed an unprecedented 12-year, $430 million contract with LA Angels. That gives him um, $36 million a year, roughly, the largest contract in sports by far. Um, what's up with this baseball money?
0: Well, if you if you look at um, just the number of games that a baseball player plays, I think it's comparable. So if you were to break that down, so Mike Trout got, what, 430. Um, Bryce Harper got 13 years, 330. Uh, Manny Machado got 10 years, 300. So roughly anywhere between 36 million to 30 million per year, these baseball players are getting paid, which is comparable if you think about they're playing on average 160 games. That's a long season.
1: That's true, and that's um, happening within six months.
0: Not yeah, not counting spring training right. or if you make it to the postseason. So they're playing damn near half a year to almost three Eight, quarters of a months. year. So that's a lot of wear and tear. Okay. Um, even though it's not like Contact sport like football, it's still a long year, right? Um, and if you break down the, the the amount of money that you get paid per game, I think it's reasonable. And I, it just sounds like a lot because we're thinking of think of it in comparison to like say basketball or football. Um, but football, you only have sixteen games. Basketball, you may have eighty two up to a hundred, depending on how long you play. So it makes sense number wise.
1: Okay, I mean, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Um, baseball money is guaranteed. Yes. Okay. So no matter what happens from here until 20, what is it? 2021 or 2031, when his contract expires, he's going to get that entire amount. Um, it seems that, because I think what kind of got me is why are these contracts so long? You know, like the, the per year Salary isn't that amazing. I mean, basketball is definitely, you'll have players making 35 40 probably up to $50 million a year in the next couple of years. But 12 years to be locked in, that kind of rose some red flags. And I did a little research, and it seems that these teams, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's guaranteed money, so it's going to get paid out from someone, whether they get traded or they live out the entirety of their contract. But they really do this to combat free agency. So they're pretty much putting a ceiling on this player and it locks him in and no other team can offer them more money.
0: Well, I think also what's different about baseball is the fact that unlike, you know, basketball and say football, um, you can I'm not gonna say a really good player such as, you know, Mike Trout, um, Bryce Harper. Those are kind of like outliers, but you can't just necessarily insert one player outside of probably like a pitcher who you can put in there mid-season and completely, you know, change the, the, the tempo of a, of a team. Um, this is a real team sport, so it really takes you have to really build your team. So a lot of these players, they play for longer. Um, it requires more um, development from you know, the management side as well as the coaches. So this is, and, and actually they they were, they were actually talking about this with the um, commissioner. He's saying that he wants to make the cycle for how long it takes for a team that's playing poorly to actually get into winning contention shorter so that teams that are players or fans who are rooting for a team that, that's not so good, they don't have to wait five, ten years before they can actually make it to the World Series.
1: So how do you control that?
0: You can't necessarily control it, but you can kind of... I guess shorten the curve or shorten the cycle. So, well, one of the options is, uh, I guess, making or incentivizing teams to, uh, I guess, build up the development leagues or developmental programs to make sure that they're building the infrastructure. Um, But you can't. You know that's that's one of the things you can't necessarily make a team better, but you can kind of incentivize them and push them in that direction. And I think with baseball, it's one of those places where you don't necessarily have to be a major market because you see Kansas City right. has been a um, a team that's won Phillies, not necessarily a small market, but it's not a major market. You can
1: be a rural city and still have a, a really good fan base and right. see still see success.
0: But it's going to take it. Normally, takes a collection of players. So having that, you have to have that pool of money, but also have a a I guess, a GM who's buying into or creating a structure for winning. Right. But I think it's that really what it comes down to. Do you have a winning culture? If right. not, then I'm
1: not going to really go to your team. Now, someone told me before, is this true that starting um, arenas, baseball arenas, are built for a pitcher to have a pitcher's advantage? Or I thought it was really weird. I was in, where was I? I was in Atlanta, and they just got a new baseball stadium and they told me that they built that stadium to incentivize a pitcher
0: i'm not sure if they would ever want to build an arena to incentivize a a pitcher just for the simple fact that a lot of fans want to see home runs like if you look at the yankees new stadium they've made it smaller and that's another reason why they've been leading the um they they led the league last year in home runs is because their field is smaller so Mm -hmm. it's actually to a hitter's advantage
1: Okay. Which is a good thing.
0: And it's fun that, for the fans. That's what
1: it was. A pitcher's arena versus a hitter's arena. Yeah. I thought that was like so weird.
0: Yankees field is definitely built for the hitters.
1: So that can kind of contribute to this whole cycle or curve of a winning franchise. If you're building it for a pitcher versus a hitter.
0: Right. Offense versus defense.
1: Offense versus defense. Very important. the
0: Yankees have really good offense, but they haven't necessarily have great pitchers. So it's really going to come down to who can hit the most runs.
1: Gotcha. So with these contracts, do you think it's geared towards certain positions? I'm looking at Mike Trout. He's a center fielder. Bryce Harper, he's a right fielder. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, he's an outfielder. Um, These are guys who have got Manny Machado. What is he? He's a...
0: I believe he's, if I'm not mistaken, I believe, a catcher. Catcher. Um, I'm I'm not sure. But typically, yeah, the outfielders are going to get the big bucks. Outfielders and pitchers typically get the big money because they're so, you know, instrumental into the defense and also, you know, the batting side. So they play a key role on both sides of the field and making sure you can lock somebody in like that. That's a difference maker. Gotcha.
1: Okay. well, I'm still learning. You know, I I worked in the Astros Astros uh, Stadium for two years in college. And within that two years, that was probably all I was going to learn about baseball right in that sector of time so I'm learning baseball right. is
0: definitely a lost love for mine so I, I really enjoy the game it's not for everybody just for the simple fact a lot of people if if it's not a, a world series game or playoff game sometimes it can get dry
1: it's absolutely dry but you for have to most love it part,
0: yeah it's one that's of the, true you have to that's love true. it to, to watch it so all
1: right let's move on so I'm in a little bit of a morning period right now um Last week, the Lakers were officially eliminated from playoff contention. And it was done by, what team did they play? Um, They played the team that, D'Angelo, they played Brooklyn. The team that they traded D'Angelo Russell to. So Bittersweet. Bittersweet. And um, they eliminated them in emphatic fashion. So now where does this franchise go from here?
0: Could that be a case of karma for the LA Leakers?
1: What did you say?
0: <laughs> so this is all right, this is my take. Um this year was a bust. Um it didn't go as planned. Completely. I think I think the expectations were a little unreasonable, which is okay. Um they have enough time to kind of, you know, sit back, strategize, watch the league. And see where they can build. And then also, you have a lot of big free agents that are coming up. I think there's going to be a lot of work. That's Well, I think the work's already been started. Because they have to have a major player come to the Lakers in order for them not to repeat going home early next year. So, one, they have to lock down somebody who's key. Two, they need to get that locker room in order. Three, they need to get healthy. Um, and then figure out for who's going to be the coach next year because there's a lot of there's a lot of moving <laughs> so pieces. So we're already
1: going. looking at new coaches, huh?
0: Well, that's that's the talk. Luke Walton is probably out, and then they're throwing around. Different I think names. he should
1: be out. Fair enough. Um, not just based on this season. This was his third season. Um, he's under 500. Um, team hasn't made the playoffs,
0: and he's not a LeBron esque coach.
1: He's not. He's not. And To be fair, LeBron has never had a Hall of Fame coach. He's never had a coach that won a championship before they got with LeBron James. He's never had that luxury. Luke Walton, he came from a winning culture, what he did over at at Golden State. It may have been fool's gold. It didn't translate to the Lakers organization. Now, again, it's an organization that, for this year, to win a championship is unreasonable. To make the playoffs, that, that... was totally doable but again just a a bit of bad luck injury-ridden lack of chemistry lack of experience inconsistency recipe for disaster
0: right it's a lot it's it's more negatives than positives and in a case like that there's no way you're going to make it to the playoffs and if you did it it, it'll just be something that you know it'll almost be a fluke yeah um so in in that instant you can kind of chalk up this year, but on the flip side of that, I think um, to add a little bit more fuel to the fire is the fact that the L.A. Clippers are actually kind of hot. Oh, so the temperature, who cares? so the temperature in the city is a little bit different than what they're used to. Lakers have always been the supreme team. Not to say that the Clippers haven't had winning seasons. They have. But the Clippers are actually trying to create their own independent organization. They don't to want to. Sh- their own culture. They don't want to share the stadium. They want to be like the Mets and the Yankees. Um, where the Mets are still never going to be better than the Yankees, but they still have their own distinct brand.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that the Lakers and Clippers are still sharing an arena to this day. Do the Clippers not make enough revenue to...
0: Well, West and Balmer, they can raise enough money to get their own arena, but does it make enough business sense to go off and create your own arena if you haven't officially, you know created a foundation in the base where it's like, we can stand on our own over here on the other side of the town and still fill out an arena. They can't. I don't know if they've proven that. Um, maybe on the tennis, they probably can show that people will go, but that's because they're at the Staple Center, which is a good attraction for people who just want to come out and watch sports and entertainment.
1: Well, yeah. The, I mean, the Clippers have – they're kind of a de facto organization. They get a lot of Laker <coughs> hater fans in L.A., people who for some reason are – maybe they're implants. So or they just don't like the Lakers – They'll try the Clippers out. I hear you when you say they don't have enough of their own brand to go and get their own arena. They probably need to string together another five to ten solid years of going to the playoffs and going deep and having big names and attracting big free agents to even get that thought going. Um,
0: They have to establish some sort of credibility. Without that credibility and that culture, then you need to share a stadium. Just like That's the Jets true. need to share a stadium with the Giants. You need to piggyback off the Giants because you have, even though, yeah, you have a Jets nation, you're not You're not built to... It's not it's, the same brand. It's not the same.
1: But the Clippers, I mean, they're playing with a ship on their shoulder right now. They think that they deserve to be put... The, first of all, they think that they're the number one team in L.A. right now.
0: Well, they are. record wise yes. They are the, Rankin-wise, they Rankin-wise,
1: are. Yes. They yes. Are the hottest are. team
0: in L.A. They don't have a legacy or anything, but they are the hottest and they're hungry to prove themselves, which is a dangerous uh, ingredient because somebody who has nothing to lose and a lot to prove is dangerous. Whereas the Lakers are like, you know, we've always been the established one, but we're hurt. We're in a weak, vulnerable space. That's why they have a lot more pressure to make sure they get all these pieces fixed. Otherwise, if they have a repeat of next year and the Clippers go on to become like a real outstanding playoff team, then that's an issue.
1: Well, that's true. It's hard to establish a winning culture as a franchise. There are so many franchises that have have had a couple of good years, maybe even a decade worth of good years. But outside of a winning legacy like the Lakers and the Celtics, the next closest organization is San Antonio. And I thought San Antonio was going to falter after the Big Three retired. I was actually waiting for it.
0: Well Popovich is kinda of like Belichick. He he creates a system where you can plug and play different players so it can outlast outlast, you know, whether or not a player leaves. Um it's still not up up to the caliber that it used to be, you know, back when Tim Duncan and Chernobyl right. was there, but he still has a good system. Um but to, to go back to your other point, to show you how hungry um the Clippers are, they're actually having champagne showers. Based off the fact that they made, they it. made the, the playoffs. playoffs.
1: Like, that's come a on. low.
0: I don't want to say that's a low bar, but that's that kinda, is a low bar. That's kind of kind of crazy. Not
1: even champagne showers don't come out until you win the conference championship. Even that, you know, at, yeah. at the minimum. But y'all, y'all are popping champagne for making a, the playoffs. But it, it just lets you know that that's an organization like like Doc said, that no one believed would recover from, you know, post Lob City. Mm-hmm. So they they've had an uphill battle. Even when they traded away Tobias Harris, they should have took a nosedive. Right. And they've held their own. So I get it. I'll never turn down champagne, but you know I'll, I'll be watching. I'll be watching.
0: I think that's a case of celebrating the small wins because you know to get the momentum. Sometimes you have to celebrate it. But this those set the bar so low. They might have just wanted to drink some champagne. <laughs> Probably.
1: So I guess the only good thing about the Lakers not making the playoffs is that LeBron James will rest for the first time in fourteen years. So that could actually help him out and do more more good than bad. So let's let's keep a lookout for next season and let's see if we if he's if we awaken a new monster in him.
0: Or it could work in the reverse and oh, he, he can like taking time off more and start looking forward him? to the off season. No, no. I don't know. He already has these big deals going on where he can do his production and stuff, so he may be able to start working. He does, but
1: he's a creature of habit. I mean, he's still going to work out. He's still going to maintain his diet. I think that this rest is going to help. And, you know, there was a story that came out that said his injury should have kept him sidelined for six months instead of six weeks. So if there's any kind of truth to that, this rest will be good. Let's hope so. I definitely hope so. Okay, so we're in March. What does the month of March mean? March Madness.
0: St. Patrick's Day. Wah. Spring. <laughs> so much other stuff that goes on. But uh, no, I like this. I like this time heads. of year. Yes.
1: March Madness is prime. Uh unfortunately, March Madness has been kind of a dud this year. You think? Yes.
0: And who so, okay. I, I was actually thinking this is one of the No, I was thinking. Well, I think. Okay. There hasn't been that many. Major upsets, which you would expect. This,
1: this is not what I'm used to.
0: But I would not say this is a dud. There's just been some. There's been some really good games and people playing to the expectations that you have. Listen. So I guess you can say the committee did their job well this year because.
1: Let's talk about that committee. I think there's a conspiracy going on. For what, Duke? That or
0: for Zion?
1: <laughs> Absolutely for Zion, definitely.
0: The Zionists?
1: <laughs> but I think that something's going on with the seating. I think there's a little bit of trickery going on there. As far as what? Right, quick. First and foremost, let's shout out our alma mater, U of H, Sweet 16. Go Cougs. First time in 30 years. That's a big deal. Um,
0: That's a huge deal. It's a
1: huge deal. Huge. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that there may be something to that. These games, to me, have not been as entertaining as before. Is it is it a star power thing? Is it... The, the schools have been a lot of smaller schools, you know, that, that have been doing a, a little bit better, and, and they're in the dance. It's just, it's not doing it for me.
0: No, I think what happened is, I don't know if they switched up their algorithm. I don't know if they switched up the selection. Whatever they're using to yeah. select the teams, the seeding has worked out exactly as expected. If you look at the Sweet 16. And that's
1: boring. The
0: only, the only team that is seeded. Higher than a 10 seed is Oregon, which yeah, is a 12 seed. Yeah. Everybody else is what?
1: It's, one, it's five all, or all low. the one, two, three, and four seeds, and there's one five seed.
0: That's what you expect. That's Sweet 16.
1: No, you don't. So that that's means, whack.
0: No, this means you're going to have high caliber play. You're going to expect either one. So it can go 50-50.
1: A I three just seed that, against that,
0: a two seed. It's, it's
1: too predictable. It's too predictable. I like the upset factor. I love a good Cinderella story. I do, I too. I haven't seen it.
0: I love the Cinderella, but I also love good basketball. When you see uh, a Duke and uh, Virginia Tech or, let's say, um, uh, UNC and Auburn, those are going to be two really good games because those are, like, good programs. Um, they're well-coached. They're well-disciplined. You expect to see, you know, it's going to be a nail biter. And it's gonna be, there's gonna be a miraculous, you know, last minute shot or a foul or a call, something that's gonna really drive you to like really pay attention the whole time. So this is what I want to see in March Madness.
1: You, this is are, this must is be a basketball purist. Okay? I love the it. The only hot ticket is the Duke game. The ticket sales prove otherwise. That conference is the only conference. The average ticket is six hundred dollars. <throat> Every other uh, conference. It's about $150. Are we pre-ticket. talking
0: dollars? Or are we talking cents? Gotta
1: make dollars to make sense. Because I'm not,
0: I'm not even looking at it from a dollar perspective. I'm just looking at it from just a fan's perspective of watching the game and seeing good basketball. I, I wasn't well, paying attention to know, how much mo- they're charging most the tickets. Fan, most
1: fans who are watching um, the NCAA tournament are not necessarily basketball purists, right. it's reaching the masses. So we could give a damn about. Good basketball content. We want to see well, upsets. We want to see Cinderella well, good. stories.
0: That's what I mean when I say good basketball content. I mean you're getting a really good game. You're getting a really good uh, customer experience. So if you spend six hundred dollars, you feel like you got your six hundred dollars worth of the play. Because the only ticket it's that's
1: like, bringing six hundred dollars is Duke. Period.
0: Well, I would love. I would in an ideal world, I would love to see Duke and UNC in uh, the championship game um even I mean, more I,
1: I think the ncaa would love that
0: too that would that would be that would be ncaa gold
1: yeah absolutely that
0: would be ideal um i don't think that's gonna happen i honestly think it'll probably be unc and michigan
1: what for or Michigan final State, game?
0: yeah for the championship game mm, interesting but i would like to see so U of you're, H-
1: you're not a, you're not holding on to this duke
0: no ticket. i think you uh UCF kind of exposed. Oh them. yeah. Now that uh, was
1: the best game of the tournament by far.
0: I don't think anybody expected the game. To be Not explosive. at all. Not I don't even all. think they Duke, expected it.
1: The basketball gods handed them that one.
0: Yeah. Handed it to them. They I mean, missed
1: free throws down the stretch. They got that lucky offensive rebound to put it back to go up one. Uh they come down, you miss two point blank layups basketball guys there and coach K you could tell he was affected by it one because the coach of the, of the other school was his past assistant I think
0: ex-player he actually ex-player. coached, he coached so it's bittersweet so
1: relationship and he knew that those boys deserved it win I think he said that too yeah. so um it's going to be interesting I that might actually
0: took you know air timing. out of their out of their it, it might their balloon just it for the definitely exposed fact them.
1: that it exposed them heavy
0: it kind of distracted them um yeah. but I would I would say this I would love to see. I think this would be, for me, this would be a treat. UNC and U of H. Yes! U of H is already floating on clouds right yes. now. Yes. But I think U of H has been solid. That um, would be
1: huge. For they us. haven't made
0: it this far in forever, and I think the exposure, and I think this will also give confidence to the team and to the program. Yeah. You can play with the big teams, you yeah. can make it, um, but you just have to go out and prove
1: it. Yeah, we got a brand new arena. We've got some Which is beautiful. Speed, beautiful we got Tillman Fertitta behind us, which he just injects so much energy, so much life into whatever he touches. Um, U of H is really, I mean, I, I went to a couple of games. Uh, we, went, we went to uh, a game together, and um, there's just different energy in there. Um, I feel like our players, um, they're playing more of an NBA style, running right. gun Shooting threes.
0: Kelvin Sampson has definitely gotten them in shape. but I think it's Absolutely. a cultural change, a cultural shift. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's definitely been time since the five Slamma Gemma. Like, there really oh, yeah. hasn't been. They've had, like, streaks, but I yeah. think this is something the This is the, the, the first
1: time in about 35 years where we, we really could bring something to the table. So it'll be interesting to watch. And um, I'm excited. I hope U of H goes all the way. Um, I want to talk about John Morant. You know, he thought his team was going all the way. They gave a valiant effort, um, but I think he's going to be a star in, in the league.
0: He's going all forward. the
1: way. He's going all the way. As a
0: team player, of course, you. Will, but I think this was just good for marketing for him. You know, what I mean, just to, for him to showcase his skills, Absolutely. showcase what he's about. And he's going to be perfect. Whoever picks him up next, well, if he goes to the draft next year, he'll be an asset wherever he goes.
1: Yeah. I mean, but what other stars are coming out? I mean, we know half of Duke is is coming out, but –
0: I think everybody's focus is pretty much on Sean um, Morant and um, Zion. Those are yeah. they command all of the attention. There's a lot of other good players, but those two, mm-hmm. like where they go, is going to be kind of paramount.
1: Yeah, I'm excited though. I feel like the last in the NBA, especially the last this year and last year, a lot of young stars that are to me are going to make a difference in the league. I think there was a lull for a couple of years, but I think the this last year's rookie of the year race. This year's Rookie of the Year race has really proven that there are a lot of quality talent here. We've got a lot of good young stars out in the league right now, and they just need the right team or the, or the right platform, but they're I coming.
0: Think, well, I think to piggyback on your point, the NBA kind of needs that infusion of talent. With LeBron getting older. Barely. Um, Giannis, you know, kind of emerging. Like who's the next? Who's great, the next? Face who's the gonna league? who's gonna carry the band? Harden is great. Um, Steph has been great, but who's really gonna you know carry for the next five ten years? We don't know yet.
1: We don't know, and and, and, and that's
0: kind of nerve wracking for the league because is. if you don't have a star, like they're gonna lose a
1: lot of money. It is. It is because to be honest, we there's there's been a ton of stars come through the league, um, but ever since Michael Jordan, there hasn't been that type of an impact player, personality wise and image wise, besides LeBron James. Everyone can say Kobe falls in the middle of that, but Kobe did not embrace no. the, the media, the personality of basketball as much. As far as a figure, a known figurehead, I, I don't know if there's, I don't know who could be next. Dude, The way that they're touting Zion is like, uh, you're giving him clout. Let's let him get to the league first and right. see if his game even translates. Um, but other than that, I don't know who's the next face of the league.
0: Um, Right now, Giannis would definitely be, he's a top contender. It's Um, hard
1: for international players to be the face of an American league. I think that's
0: one of the things he kind of uh, highlighted or alluded to because Mm -hmm. he didn't know if he felt, you know, if he kind of fit in. I mean, let your your game speak for itself.
1: Be yourself. Be yourself. I just, I don't know if anyone else can carry the league. I mean, I think Steph Curry is a, he's definitely changed the league. Definitely. I mean, people want to be like Steph. They want to play like Steph. I was listening to a podcast and um, Steph is the kind of player you can emulate. You know, everyone wanted to be like Mike. People love LeBron James, that he'd be their favorite player. But people didn't necessarily want to be like him because you just probably couldn't. (laughs) It just probably wasn't possible. Steph is that next player that people are, he's changing the, the landscape of the league. People come in, they want to shoot, they want to shoot from 40 feet out, you know, he's that next figure. But again, for the face of the league, impact player like a LeBron James, I, I don't know when next, we'll see.
0: Well, the throne will be empty or vacant until, you know.
1: Until I say so.
0: So <laughs> somebody steps into it.
1: Yeah, it comes in a lot. You yeah. ready? So, the football world was put on its back. Robert Gronkowski announced that he's retiring after nine seasons, uh, three championships. Some people want to call him the greatest tight end the NFL's ever seen. Um, Do you believe he's really going to retire? He's done it before.
0: Well, I think, yeah, I think he's done it. He's twenty
1: nine um, years old. Like, oh my God. I, I wish I'd had the, the platform that I could retire at twenty nine.
0: But you have to think Jesus about it. He's Christ. had a lot of you know, injuries. Yeah, yeah. He he plays he plays smash mouth. He's constantly he's one of those players, he's almost like he gets the shack treatment, shack attack. Because he's so big. Okay. Um I think a lot of defenders get away with more, you know, harassment on him than okay. say your typical tight end because he's so big they feel like yeah, you can handle it. He can it. handle it. But that doesn't like it. to do LeBron. Uh, no comment. <laughs>
1: Everything revolves around LeBron. Have we not figured that out yet?
0: <laughs> so, um, but no, I think with that, it, it kept, I think it, kept, it caught up with him a lot sooner than your typical tight end um, because you're constantly being tacked. You're constantly being harassed on every single play. He has to work harder than Yeah, he does. Your, I mean, t- t- a
1: tight end is a very unique position.
0: But he's a target yeah. and he's a unique target. He makes plays that most people can't make. He gets hits that the average person will get hit and yeah. they can't keep moving.
1: He's a target because um, of the team he plays for, his personality off the field.
0: I mean, he's a unique star. I personally would not say that he's the best tight end of all time. Definitely not. A little um, he's, I would say he's in the top five, top three. Um, but he definitely will be missed for Tom Brady. Now, that's, that's a, a bigger issue. Tom Brady's getting older in his career. Who do you replace? Who do you replace with? You know, for Rob Gronkowski.
1: Um, Why can't we just replace Tom Brady? You know what? Like the whole franchise. <laughs> well, this I'm
0: may be. Them. This so may actually. Them. This may be the final. This may be the straw that breaks the camel's back, in the sense that I think losing him, Tom getting older, Rob Kraft with his situation. I think the uh-huh. Patriots dynasty may be crumbling. Well, then but I, I think su-
1: then I support everything happening right now.
0: But I think as long as Belichick and Tom Brady are, are together, they can figure
1: it out. They're like the the masterminds of
0: football. They can
1: masterminds, just, cheater minds, to potato potato.
0: They like they say if you're not cheating, you're not trying.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> we use that in college, not in the real world. <laughs> well, you see, it worked
0: for the the Patriots. They got what? How many Super Bowls? Uh, Even so. after two suspensions, after two gates. They still continue to win. So whether or not, whether they are cheated or not, they win.
1: The football world is delusional. These delusional supporters, these bandwagon supporters, what happens to the morality? It looks like the franchise through and through doesn't have morality. Let's talk about Robert Kraft.
0: Is that a morality issue? I think so. I think that's a personal issue, <laughs> but because of who he is, it... It's in the, the media or it's in the spotlight.
1: Well, the NFL has made great strides in morality with all those upright recent domestic violence situations. And they finally decide to start punishing people for that. Right. Um, I just think that there hasn't been enough coverage of this situation. And I think he's trying to wiggle his rich way out of it, rich, privileged way out of it. And, and he's been acting irresponsibly. He's been cavorting with the likes of Meek Mill and Cardi B. I mean...
0: <laughs> I mean, he's... We got to think about when you're winning, you know, a lot of times you have more leverage to do things that I'm not saying is right. It's just it's just a fact of life. When you're winning, you tend to have um, things looked at differently than if you are a losing franchise. Now, if this was a losing franchise, do you really think that... He would be able to wiggle his weight. No,
1: no, no, but
0: it is what it is. But
1: this is pretty serious. This is an FBI investigation on a prostitution ring. Well, for over 200 individuals of all kinds.
0: And see, and I think part of it is because they don't know. This is a large investigation. They don't know. They don't have all the facts. So to, you know, kind of just throw him in there with the prostitution. That's a, that's a real big sting. So that's why they're being careful, and they're you know they walk in a tight line because you don't never want to associate somebody with prostitution because you can't necessarily take that back.
1: I, I thought he was seen on camera twice paying for services at a massage parlor indiscriminately.
0: Sir well, I don't know the full details.
1: Like a happy ending.
0: Um, I don't know. know the, <laughs> I don't know the full details, but I do know that he got caught at the scene. At the, you know, kind of like the wrong place, wrong time. But we don't know all the details. But if he is guilty, he just you know you have to pay the price of whatever it is for your for your mishap.
1: Well, he's manipulating the situation. <clears throat> they have already offered him in exchange for a guilty plea, a diversion program, where he would perform a hundred hours community service, attend classes, and pay you know nominal fine for him five thousand dollars per per charge. He's rejecting that. He wants to plead. Not guilty. And he, uh, he he was supposed to be arraigned a few days ago. He's now asking for a jury trial. I, I know that there's a lot of details to be worked out. I think that if there's any kind of credence to it, that the league should look at some kind of a punishment. Well. Removal, something of this. It's just bad it's, for business. It is.
0: It's under investigation. It, unfortunately, it's in Florida, not Chicago or Illinois, where it might have been handled a little bit differently. ha. <sighs> But it is what it is. I mean, it's under investigation.
1: Chicago's been on some kind of a road. hot
0: right now. They're
1: hot right now. <laughs>
0: but but, but I just going to show you, you know, the legal system is handled differently depending on the case, the people. It's just a whole different beast. That's why, you know, legal matters, you you have to say alleged. There's a lot of stuff because you don't know.
1: Right. I mean, Florida, we know, has some interesting laws, <laughs> grossly inconsistent. Um, I guess we'll just we'll see. We'll keep tabs on it. I, I'm keeping a tab on it because I just want them to keep the same energy on how they've handled players and and, and with morality and things like that. So
0: even owners, because um, there were owners that have been you know suspended or even fined That's for true. you know mishaps. That's true. So it's not Co- like it's just only well. for players. Coaches have been dealt with also. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to because it's interesting because the Patriots are coming off the Super Bowl and all you know all that energy is. It was positive energy. Then you hear about Gronk. And then you know Tom Brady's getting older. So how does this... does Is this like an inclination of the Patriots? Of a demise? Right.
1: I'm hoping it's a perfect storm. The grand recipe to finally bring this organization down. But that's just me. I'm a little petty. Um,
0: You're on the, the Pats hate
1: bandwagon. I, uh, yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am.
0: I'm neutral. I really... I can care less either way. They're not my team, but I'm not one of those people that I want to see because I, I I enjoy watching a good game and I just appreciate even though Belichick has had his you know his his gates.
1: It's only it's only because of the cheating that I but got still, against this team.
0: Even if you took those two out, you still have to take that and consider he's old. Oh, he's just a winner.
1: Well, let we'll see how they win themselves out of this situation. We shall see. So, the NBA season is winding down. We've got a handful of games left.
0: Or winding up, depending on how you look
1: at it. It's true. tis true. So, this MVP race, it's really become a two-man game. Beard or freak? Who are you going
0: with? Um, I'm going to stick with the beard. I'm going with the beard. He's the reigning MVP. Um, it's, it's almost like Floyd entering the ring with the belt. You kind of naturally give them the advantage. But this Giannis guy, he's he's definitely a he's definitely a close contender. In most people's eyes, he's actually the MVP. Oh yes. Um because the Bucks are hot. He's like showing stuff that people haven't seen. I think that's what it is, because he's so young and he's still he doesn't even know all of his game. And so there's a lot of pieces of his game that are actually flourishing and there's new things that are coming out. We already know what to expect from Harden. He's been consistent, yeah. he's been doing what he's been doing. So it's he not could like have been
1: MVP the last three years. Last
0: three to four. He's been so consistent. I think people are tired of seeing him as an MVP candidate. Right. And they're probably ready for a new, you know, Mm -hmm. person to take over the throne. And since he's actually, Giannis is actually being touted as the next king or face of the league. It may make sense for him to kind of get his, you know, his his, his spotlight.
1: I would love James Harden to win back-to-back MVPs. Hometown hero. What he's done offensively this season has been unmatched. We really haven't seen this type of offensive outpouring since Kobe Bryant went crazy, you know, a decade ago, over a decade ago now. Let me tell you why Giannis probably is going to win. He has, he's the best player on the best team in the league right now. And that's typically wins. And that's typically who wins. They have the best record. They've had the best record for most of the season. Um, his numbers aren't too shabby either, twenty-seven six, six assists, twelve rebounds. A twelve rebounds is a is is a, is a big one. To average, you know, so much in the offense, and then to average twelve boards as well—that's that's a big one. Um, at and his
0: size, that's kind of you would expect. You'd that. expect that. But, but look at Harden—he's a triple-double guy.
1: Yes, he is. Yes, he he almost had yes, a triple-double
0: against uh, Giannis the other night.
1: His numbers aren't bad. Harden is averaging. points, 7.5 rebounds, 6.5 assists, I'm sorry, 7.5 assists, 6.5 rebounds, 2.2 steals. Those are Jordan numbers. Those are Jordan numbers. Shooting is not that great, though. 44% from the field, um, but 88% in free throws, which is key for clutch coming down the stretch. 36% in three-pointers. I was surprised at that number because he takes so many threes, but but five turnovers a game. That's kind of a problem. Um on the other side, Giannis is fifty eight percent from the field. So he's taking high percentage shots. Um, um
0: I don't know about the high percentage. He's just always dunking the ball.
1: But that's what you call high percentage. I mean he doesn't have a shot.
0: He does he does he does it. not
1: have a shot. Twenty four percent from three point. Well that is that that's more than bad, he's he does do- not have a mid-range game. Right. He's, he's dominant.
0: He's dominant inside the paint, which is kind of expected for a guy of his size. But at the same time, he can also he's also versatile in the sense that he's able to spread the court and yes. play damn near any position. That's yeah. what's so freakish about him. Yeah, is, you know, whereas Harden is kind of a liability on defense in some instances. He's gotten um, a
1: lot better this year. Though. He's gotten
0: he's gotten better, but he's his,
1: much maligned for his defense. But he's got he's committed to. A little bit of man-to-man defense this year.
0: He's gotten better, but he's he's a scorer. That's where he gets his bread and butter, which makes sense. The freak is actually a dual threat. You know, he could play defense and offense. Yes, um, which is kind of making him look like more of the winner. Um, And also, like you said, he's playing on the hottest team, and he's one of the hottest players. Um, So I think it really comes down to the last couple games. Who finishes out on top? I think if uh, Harden has a few more like really outstanding games, he can kind of top this off and just right. you know get by. But if the Bucks keep doing what they're doing, I think he's going to win it.
1: Well, the Rockets and the Bucks played yesterday. Um Bucks came out on top convincingly. Um I don't think
0: this was should... a home game though.
1: It was a home game, and I don't think we should use that as a determining factor for who's going to win. MVP, but a lot of people will. That's kind of how it happens. I don't know how the NBA plans this. (laughs) These games that come down, you know, at the end of the stretch, it's always games that are important, teams that need to beat each other for seeding, you know, MVP discussions. I don't know how it always comes down to this, but it does. I believe if the Rockets had anything near the same record as we had last year, it wouldn't even be up for contention. And for me, if you're going to use the actual definition of most valuable player, it's James Harden. We started off really crummy this year. We had the injury bug hit us. And there was a point in time where Harden had to put the team on his back and push us through. And he did that.
0: I think he, well, playing or leading the Rockets, he's had to do that as long as he's been there. He's always had to be the face. And that was part of the issue. Um, He's always had to carry the team. He hasn't always had the supporting cast. But I think he's kind of set into that role, and now he just makes it look so easy because he's so used to just doing what he does, just scoring. Yeah. Um, Part of the fact that he does it so effortlessly, I don't think that kind of works against him because it makes it look easy, which people just...
1: And it's not easy. And it's not. It's not.
0: But from a perspective of the fan or from the people who are looking at it, the viewers or even the... I guess you can say the, the committee who's going to rank them, they may take that into effect because Giannis is like looking like he's just working his well, ass off.
1: Giannis has a, a a team around him, and he's had that team for for the most part this entire season. And he's they been, have a lot of injuries too. They do have some injuries. They do. They do. But his the team. It's a, his team is more predicated on it being a, a team sport. People have to show up for them to win. The way the Rockets are crafted, it's a lot of one-on-one ball. We're either in the paint or we're outside the three. Right. That's how it is. James Harden went on an unguardable tour. Okay, He scored 30 or more in 32 straight games. You know, Just unheard of. It depends what kind of voter you are, too. Facets like that, something that's it's incredible that you're just not going to see will be a determining factor for some people to pick Harden. But if you're just going to go with this young player, incredible numbers, great record. It'll be Giannis, and I. I for some reason, I think it's gonna go towards Giannis. Giannis, nice. I think so.
0: My vote is with the beard. Same here. I think he's gonna two time two time MVP. Sounds sounds pretty it good. Sounds real good. And actually, being a real contender in the West, the fact that Chris Paul is healthy this year. I think people are underestimating what the Rockets are going to do.
1: That's true. Um,
0: because they've been there. They've kind of been that same team. And it's like, yeah, you'll probably get out in the second round if you make it to the first round. Well, you're going to make it to the first round, but you don't really expect them to go past or make it to the Western Conference Final. But I actually see them going to the Conference Final.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Punching that ticket. The East, we as we know, inferior talent, inferior teams, um, but a lot of people still are not picking Milwaukee to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I understand that. Why? Because they don't have the experience, first of all. They don't have enough people that have the playoff pedigree and experience that to know that the regular season ends and the second season starts, and you're starting back at 0 Right.
0: Only thing that works against them is their experience. Well, experience and injuries, but I feel like – They've meshed so well, and their team chemistry is so good that they can beat most teams, especially in the East. The East is
1: the East is is a dump, it could, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but going up against the West, yeah, the experience is probably what's going to hurt them because they'll be out coached.
1: Well, if they make it past all the East, then they'll get to the West.
0: Actually, I don't even think they can get past Toronto. Quite honestly, it's
1: going to be hard. The East again is going to be bittersweet watching the East. I mean, I don't have a horse in the race there, so I'm just going to be a fan watching with tears streaming down.
0: It'll be interesting. But I think um, Harden will walk away with the chip or the trophy, but it's looking like Giannis. Am I saying it right? Giannis. Giannis. Sorry, freak. <laughs>
1: um, Giannis is one thing. Try the last name.
0: Um, I will pass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Giannis A. Hey. Uh,
1: Antetokounmpo.
0: Yes, so I I feel like he's he's gaining steam momentum, and I think the momentum will switch to his side, and he'll end up being, you know, heralded.
1: Well, remember two see I think two summers ago, Kobe Bryant challenged him to become the MVP of the league. When I heard that, I was like, Kobe, what you what you smoking on, like? So it's it's amazing that just two years later, he really is in those talks.
0: Well, he went in and he put in the work. You see how he's grown. He's, he's developed physically. And I think yeah. his mental IQ has grown. He's or put on his 50 game.
1: pounds since he got to the league. Because
0: he's going to be in the paint and he's going to be getting a lot of contact. Yeah. So in order for you to sustain yourself, you're going to need some, some padding.
1: But like all stars who come into the league with natural talent and ability and athleticism, if you don't find a shot, it's not going to last for long. No matter what, the law of physics work against you. The athleticism will fade. If he doesn't find a shot,
0: Amari Stoudemire,
1: athleticism faded,
0: but he was still able to dominate within dominate? the paint. Yeah, he was a dom. He was
1: for a, a number of years. A but number he, of years. He never got over the hump. Once the injuries attacked him, he never got over the hump. He was never the same player.
0: If you can get you a mid-range game, mid-range game, um, a hook, a post-up game, you got, you
1: got to get something. Yeah, LeBron came into the league and they said, "Oh, he doesn't have a shot."
0: And he's a small forward slash forward.
1: He had, he didn't have a shot. He didn't have a shot, but he and he had so much natural ability and athleticism and in an inside game that it was able to carry him until he de- developed a workable shot.
0: And I'm glad you said workable shot because I would still say he has oh, a question. He's not the best shooter. He's, he's not. a scorer.
1: He's a scorer. Okay. But his shot is much improved. But he, and those shots look pretty sometimes. A lot of times. But
0: he's a pass first player yeah, anyway. So he's able to manage, you know, able to find other ways to get, the, you know, get points.
1: But Giannis, 24% from three point ain't going to cut it.
0: I would not expect Ben him to Simmons.
1: Be to not ever attempt a three-pointer or not ever make a three-pointer is not going to cut it. I can respect the player. Ben Simmons is probably the closest thing we'll see to a LeBron James-esque person as far as skill. No? Uh, he patterns his game after him. You know that. He's his mentor. He patterns, but... I mean, he's not ever going to be on that level. Okay. But... Yeah.
0: Um, ben Simmons is going to be Ben Simmons.
1: Yeah, but he has no shot. and He needs to get one. But I can
0: respect a, I can respect a player who knows their weaknesses um and just, you know, I'm not going to hurt my team that way. I'm just going to stick to what I'm good at and leave that to people who are better. That's bad what right the
1: offseason is for. Work on it.
0: Shaq Shaq never was a Shaq good is, free throw. Shaq is player, a or free throw star. Shooter.
1: Shaq is a monster. Shaq is a a block of body. He but didn't no matter how to.
0: hard he tried, he was never going to get over that. He didn't so, need to.
1: Shoot You in this league, you you got unless you're going to be a defensive player, defensive specialist, you've got to have some type of a shot. You got to, especially in the playoffs where your legs get tired and you're hoisting shots. You you got to develop some kind of a shot.
0: Unless, like you said, unless you are a specialist like a Ben Wallace, yes. uh, Dennis Rodman, where right. we bring you in specifically I'll for accept you eight to eight points
1: a game from you know. because we don't care about your offense, we right. are about defense. But if you're an offensive player athleticism will fade you're not going to get the same shots and opportunities in the paint forever you got to get an outside shot so I guess we'll see um with this MVP it's never decided in the regular season because it carries on into the playoffs um but again I'm, I'm rooting for James rooting for the beard and and we'll see but um The playoffs will be bittersweet. I'm just, I don't even know how to feel.
0: I don't know. Just spectate.
1: That's all I can do this year. But now I know clearing out Houston Rockets on the way. Let's get this third chip Bring it home for the city. So our key topic today, um, is on the evolution of media as it pertains to sports. Um, Social media, obviously, is a, a big benefactor of the media. Um, just the access and up-to-date, real-time updates on news stories. And if we go back to media in itself and, and, the, and that evolution, going from newspaper to print media to radio to TV, you can liken sports progression in the dissemination of information in the same way. I think, um, newspaper was a big deal, you know, in the earlier 20th century. The headline was everything. The headline was the attention grabber. That first line or two caught the attention of the reader and really set up the story that was wanting to be promoted. Um, so I think, I wish that they would, and you know what—that kind of has still translated into social media, sound bites, a lot of information packed in a short period of time. So you really have to focus on headlines. But I'm just concerned with this troll culture that we're in now, and the over exposure, over exploitation of athletes and, and sports figures. So let, let's talk a little bit about that.
0: Well, and I. With you saying that, that kind of also brought up um, a question in my mind: is when you think about the evolution of sports media coverage, um, technology, and things of that nature, um, and you think of the growth of sports, I'm wondering: did the sports in itself, whether it was NFL, NBA, or Major League Baseball, did they grow, and the coverage grew as a subsidiary, or did the coverage grow on its own as well, or I guess, simultaneously with the sport, because I'm just thinking about it. I never really thought about how the coverage of basketball or how the coverage of NFL, how that's grown um, by itself um, as its own entity. Um, I've kind of always focused on the actual sport in itself. Um, But it's interesting to think of it in that in that instance where, you know, how has the actual coverage because coverage is important because a lot of times without the coverage, as a fan, you don't know what's going on. right? So they play a very important role in how the game is ran. So if you don't have, you know, like an ESPN or if you don't have, you know, um, any of the other sports broadcasts, you as a fan, how are you actually getting information to know how your favorite player is doing? Nowadays, with with the smartphone, you have direct access. But back in the day, they were pretty much the only plug that you had to know how your favorite team did. So they played an integral, intricate role.
1: Yeah. There there were designated outlets for sports media. Either you're looking at the box scores in the newspaper the next morning, you're listening to a radio program and, you know, no enthusiasm, no personality, just cold, hard facts, Cut cut and dry. Um, I was a
0: paper junkie as a kid. I will always, I will wake up first thing in the morning, go to the paper, look at the stats to see what Jordan had. Um, Jordan or any of my other favorites, but I would look at I would look at the papers. I wasn't really looking for the news, even though you would have like the five o'clock or eleven o'clock news that would let you know how they scored. But you can get all of the stats in that paper. Right.
1: I was newspapers is one thing. I, I remember a, a part of that. For me, when it really started making sense was the sports magazines. I was yeah. obsessed with sports magazines. In middle school, I was an office worker in the library so i didn't have any subscriptions to these magazines but our library did so i just remember always reading those magazines in the library you know at school i was um fixated on it um so that meant a lot to me sports illustrated espn mag slam magazine i remember those those outlets um and those were the only places that you could find out more about your favorite players You know, like, you had to wait every month for a magazine to be printed for a story, a few paragraphs about your hero. There was no instant access. I remember Saturday mornings watching Inside Stuff.
0: I love that show.
1: 30 minutes a week (laughs) is what you got to get a little bit of insight into what your favorite player is doing on the court, off the court, to gauge a little bit more of their personality. There were very, very designated outlets that gave you that access, as opposed to today, everything is at a finger's reach, and I, and I wonder: is it too much exposure? Is it too much access? Is it an invasion of privacy at a point? Is it obnoxious? Is it bullying? Is it
0: well? I think now, um, because it's only going to expand. I think now, um, players, teams. And businesses have to get smart on how they protect their assets Mm -hmm. because now you're not just an individual, you're an asset. And if you know you're being exposed, you have to find a way to kind of mitigate risk or protect yourself as much as you can. So whether it's when we spoke about Westbrook, whether it's, you know, making sure you have somebody who can, you know, kind of protect him when he's at a game from a fan, um, you have to do the same thing on social media or on the web or, you know, if you know an individual is a target, you have to make sure that they're. They're having people or safeguards around them that when they're moving throughout the city, they're not going to become a meme right. or be attacked because you know there's people out there that purposely do these type of things. Um, that's one of the major cons or drawbacks to social media. Like it, everything's immediate.
1: Right. And
0: a lot of stuff is premeditated. So if people are knowing how you're maneuvering, they can always try to set you up and put you in a bad light. Um, but on the flip side, if you're a fan and you so happen to see your favorite... Basketball player walking down um, the full court in the mall, and you just happen to get a picture with them—that's a that's a lifetime memory that you have right there. That's true. So it can work both ways, um, but I think also when when I mentioned earlier about the kind of the the growth of media coverage, I think in hindsight or looking at it currently, part of it has to do with the fact that the business of sports has grown. And as um, sports business has grown, you've had to, I guess, expand the coverage in a sense where the endorsements are huge. The Nike endorsements are sometimes astronomical, and they take on a life of their of its own. Athletes nowadays can make more money in endorsements they, than they can in their, actually, in their salary. You're right. So coverage of that, um, I think, is plays a, a a key role in how things are being, you know, just covered.
1: You know, I'm all for technology. I think technology definitely has uh, positives to it. Obviously, again, you have access to these athletes, these personas that seem larger than life or inaccessible. You may follow them on a social media platform. Now you know what your favorite player ate for breakfast today. You know where he vacationed. You know his family. You You know his business interests. I think that that is kind of a a winning formula for a fan, you know, in ingenuity, but it also opens up the platform for a lot of toxic, negative energy. People who hide behind a computer, who attack these players, you know, on their social media sites, um, people who invade their personal lives, people who start rumors, people who, spread the stories without confirmation. um, And everyone can't handle it. Everyone can't handle it. Um, It's not to say that there hasn't always been interest in athletes. Paparazzi has been around for decades. There's people whose job it is to camp out in front of arenas, in front of hotels, in front of, I don't know, vacation sites, to get pictures. It's just the turnaround time is now... The window is closed. You know, people did those for rag magazines and you had to wait a week or a month to see these pictures and see what stories attached to it. Now everything is real time. And now I just beg to ask, when is enough enough?
0: Well, I think the floodgates have already been opened. Because um, you got to think about it. Nowadays, the athletes, the celebrities, the everyday Joe they have opportunity to own their own voice. You know, I can speak my own truth. I can say whatever I want, whether it's true or not, slanderously or not. Right. Yeah. Um, but you see, more so today with athletes, they actually are very outspoken. They're on Twitter. They're on social media. They actually kind of nudge each other to try and get traded to other teams right. openly. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> this is something that you've never seen. Of course, back in the day, they probably like had their little talks off season, or you know, they'll meet up certain places. Now it's like. It's visible for everybody to see. Hey, I want you to come to my team, or you will be good over here. These things were never done back in the day. Um, that's what's being done now, and even more so with um, the Arizona coach actually introducing a, I guess he's proposing to allow players to have, I guess, 20-minute breaks where they can actually have time for their cell phone, because what,
1: you mean during the game?
0: During practices. So 20, 20 to 30 minute breaks.
1: Were, I don't know if I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Um, but because. That's, this is that's
1: a, feeding too much into this millennial culture. They can't stay off their phones.
0: That's, that's the issue. Because it's so ingrained in them. It's a part of them. That it's almost just a matter of. It's kinda, not
1: necessary. Leave that where it is. Come to practice. Dial in. Get your head in the game. The phone will be there when you get off. That, that's, I, I didn't hear that. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, is it valid? We, we I guess we'll find out at the end of the season. If oh, he's going to
1: employ this? Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Um, uh, Kingsbury, Kingsbury.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: So this is one of his, his first, I guess, initiatives. I, w- I to, mean, we'll see
1: how that experiment works out.
0: But that just goes to show you how important social media is to some people. Um, I mean. I guess the fact that you have that much access, I, me personally, I don't necessarily need to have that much access. So I have to be on Twitter or Instagram that much, but it is something that you will look at because you, you, you get a lot of updates and news um, real time from, oh, yeah. from your hand Absolutely. versus having to go and wait till, you know, back in the day, you had to wait for Sports Center or wait for the paper. Mm-hmm. Now I can just Breaking click on my news, phone. Updates. Yeah.
1: Alerts the news come comes to, to you it comes to you,
0: whereas before you had to go to the news
1: it's true that is that's key that's very poignant that you say that the and news comes to you
0: I think also what's kind of changed is fans have control of the news. I think this is one of the first time in history where fans actually can dictate news in the sense that you know you can you know tweet out certain stuff or you can actually you know go to you know different websites. And customize the views and just things that you want to have, alerts right. that you want to have sent to you so you can make it, you know, customizable. Um, and I think that's just across the board with most technologies, but I think with sports, I think it's a good thing. Me as a fan, I want to be able to control what news I see. Some things I'm not so interested in, some things I do want to see. Right. But I have that control. Whereas before, I couldn't control when the news, the paper boy dropped off the paper. All right, that's
1: true. I already
0: I already knew at 5 o'clock the news was going to show at 5.30 I make it my sports clips, but I had to wait for that.
1: Right. Or I had to wait every Saturday morning for inside stuff inside, right. to see who they're going to highlight and see what tidbits of information I'm going to get. You know, and even that was, was something that was, you know, very seg- very segmented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they decide they control the narrative on what information they're giving to us as the fans. I appreciate being able to, con- to control a narrative. Obviously, us having this podcast is, it, is, is a result of that. Anyone can be a foremost authority on sports and sharing your opinion. I appreciate that part of it. But I'm also someone who's on Instagram every day, looking through all the sports pages, getting the news, getting the headlines, going into the comments, and I see a lot of negative energy in those comments. This troll culture, people who are just spewing... Opinions that that don't make sense or have nothing to do with the post, antagonizing people. I, I've had my share of back and forths in the comments, you know, with, with fellow Instagrammers. It's just interesting. It's like, where where do you draw the line? Where does it go from here?
0: Well, if you look at it, you know, it's no different than when you're going to an arena and you're playing an opposing team. That same person that's heckling you in the stands now has an Instagram feed, and I'm gonna troll you. So instead of me just spewing it in the stands, I'm actually going to do it online.
1: Except and now they the can safety, throw their punch and hide their hand.
0: Right. So I think, you know, that's kind of the gift and the curse of social media. Um, luckily, a lot of platforms, they do have, you know, kind of some threshold. If somebody does something, you can report them. You can get people blocked. So they are doing better with that. Right. Um, but for the, the serial trollers, they've figured out ways to maneuver I mean, it's not, there's nothing you can really do about that.
1: I don't know. I don't know whose job it is to set up these bots, to set up these, these these comments that come through, these fake accounts. I don't know whose job it is. But, I mean, if it pays well, let me know where to apply. But <laughs> I, I'm just, um, I don't know. I, I think that there's just a fixation on on sports figures. And to me, only only the strong ones really know how to maneuver that. I think LeBron James is masterful at it. He's been someone in his sport who came in with a lot of pressure. And he's always had to be have a media presence. And he handles it really well. He has moments every now and then when he's a little disinterested or, you know, not really feeling it that day. And that's fine. But there's other comparable stars. I mean, KD and Kyrie both recently, Kyrie Irving both recently, came out against the media and even took vows of silence and, you know, were very combative with the media because they just keep picking at you. And,
0: but I think the difference is LeBron actually literally grew up in the spotlight from high school all all the way up until now.
1: These players did too.
0: Not at, not to the extent where they were actually, you know, viewing his high school game, um, up until he became, you know, the King with Cleveland. Um, his the amount of you know coverage that he received compared to KD and, uh, uh, Lyrie, or I'm sorry, Irie Irving, <laughs> Kyrie um, Irving, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: I think they're not. It's not to the same extent. So I would say I would say LeBron. I think he just became used to it, um, whereas KD and. Kyrie just—they're they're, like you said—they're not built for it, but they're also not the same level of stardom.
1: No, I mean, and there's I Kyrie- a certain level of indignancy that comes with that. I mean, the media is always going to be there. Okay, reporters will always be there. There are always going to be uncomfortable questions to ask. The media prides a lot. They think they have a lot of right to be in your business. It's a part of the game. That's You're your getting, job, though. It's your job. You're getting paid a shit ton of money. It's one of the facets of the job.
0: I think the difference between KD and, say, LeBron is KD's more of a player. Even though he has his his sneakers, his endorsements, KD's more of a player. LeBron is really, really a brand. A personality. He understands that. Mm -hmm. So he's more thinking of it from a business perspective at this point. Before, yeah, he had the issues of a player being poked. Now I'm like, how is my brand going to be affected if I say this wrong? How is my team going to be affected? So he's looking at it from a totally different perspective. He's a veteran. He's more experienced, so he can handle it more. Um, And he also uses it to his advantage. He's smarter, so he's flipping it. Whereas most players, they don't know how to flip it. They always feel like they're being attacked. Um, The media is going to do their job. But if you can learn how to handle it to your advantage, then it could actually be good pub.
1: Do you think these reporters and these sports personalities, do you (coughs) think that they push and prod too much?
0: They get paid on the story. You got to think about it. It's all about, you know, tabloids and sensationalism. I don't want to read a boring story. You have to, and you have to think about it. You're competing with a lot of different noise that's going on social media, internet. So you have to find something that's going to actually stand out. So, how can I get a good, you know, I got to position myself to get a good angle on this person so I can get a good sound bite so I could twist it Mm -hmm. so that I show up in the trending. You know what I mean? So that's, I think, that's their job.
1: I think sometimes it's overkill, and I think sometimes it threatens the integrity of the game, whatever sport they're covering. Whether it's a, you know, boxing with the Conor McGregor and all his antics, um, I, I think that it it, mur- it muddies the water with some of these tactics. I mean, to ask the same question over and over and over again when a player has has sig- uh, signaled that. They want to move on from the topic. Two reporters later will go back to the topic. So why are you surprised if a player is now irritable at the entire press conference?
0: Well, I think part of it is just the fact that you have to know this is part of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't just play basketball. You have to also come out here after the game when you're tired and also speak with these people. You just have to learn how to handle it. Don't let them get you to the point where, you know, they're able to create a story that's not there.
1: That's true. You gotta handle you've gotta create your own narrative. It's and if very you don't important. control
0: it, they're gonna keep making and if they know I don't want to keep picking on Westbrook, but if an in instance where fans know you're a target and they know they can press your buttons to get certain reactions, I mean you're an easy target. So yeah. I'm gonna keep doing it. And yeah. it's the same thing with reporters. If they know that you have a history of not being able to answer certain questions or you feel uncomfortable in certain instances and I know I'm gonna get a good reaction, I'm gonna do it. I mean, it's just I, yeah. have to, I have to do it. It's almost in. It's almost built into my job responsibility. Get something out of them.
1: Yeah. However, yeah. you got to do it. I think. I think the old heads have a lot of quips about how the stars of today handle a myriad of things, but I don't think these old heads could handle the sensationalism of media and how it's in your face at your fingertips. They couldn't handle that. Could you imagine if? Michael Jordan had an Instagram.
0: That would be the greatest Instagram, <laughs> That would be the greatest Instagram on that would be the the best. Just because it's like people already and you gotta think about it as a celebrity, people already want to know what you're doing. And yeah. they already want to be a part of your life. And you gotta think about when he had the campaign Be Like Mike, could you imagine Be Like Mike on Instagram? That would be amazing.
1: That would have had it's so much click clickbait. Cl-
0: clickbait. Yeah.
1: But you know, it but speaking of Michael Jordan. In all of his ads that he did, McDonald's, Gatorade, Hanes, he was, had such a good guy image. You know, a warm figure, lovable guy, This this athlete with incredible talent. And off the court, his personality may not have matched those ads as much.
0: Back in the day, you can control your brand it, image. <laughs> now it's like you have no control over your image. Exactly. Really. I mean...
1: It's like, what what is put out there, it, it kind of has a life of its own, and it takes off. But I just, I think that's interesting.
0: But I would say one thing that actually helps. So when you think about media coverage, um, social media technology, the smart thing that the leagues are doing, they're using this big data to find out where the trends are, to see how they that's can make true. the games better. Um, because they all know, you have all this free information. How can we How can we expand the game? How can we segment it? How can we look at different ways to kind of, you know, evolved and make it more interesting for the customer or for the fan. Um, I think they would be stupid not to use this information because they're sitting on a gold mine. Um, and I think a lot of that if you even look at the, the league today, how it's evolved into an international sport, I think a lot of that had to come from the analytics. Yes. Um, the fact that they went to Canada and they saw the response that Toronto got. Um, I think a lot of that was data driven and just seeing the response. But with social media and technology, I think it gives... I'm going to, you know, five, ten years from now, it's going to be a different game. And it I, is. It's interesting because we always thought it's going to just be one set kind of game. But now it's you don't really know what to expect.
1: It's just the, the international reach, the international appeal keeps growing for American sports. And I think social media has a lot to do with that. You can sit in your room in Turkey And follow the NBA or the NFL or the MLB on Instagram. And you feel like you're a part of what's going on 10,000 miles away.
0: So to a point that you made previously, that Giannis (laughs) can't be the face of an American sport. Now, if we're noticing that the game is becoming globalized and it's becoming an international game. He may be the best person to kind of tear down that, that border where, yeah, even though majority of people are in the States, this is an international game. That's and true. And we're opening the doors to all great players from all over the country to come. If you feel like you're the best in the world, this is where you need to play. So it makes the platform that much bigger and broader. And actually, it's better for the game. It makes more money.
1: Well, it is. I mean, the NBA probably doesn't make as much money as the other American leagues but internationally, it's top unmatched. three.
0: Well, in in North America, it's top three. But yeah, yeah. Behind I mean, soccer, soccer is I think. Yeah, I mean, soccer
1: one. globally is is a, is a, a whole other level. But in the U.S., I think NFL probably makes the most money. Yeah. Then MLB. <clears throat> then NBA.
0: And and if you think about it, MLB has a lot of international players um, that play on their team, so they have a really good global um, influence. But I think Giannis may actually be...
1: A, the, the NBA That might be definitely, the secret. Yeah. Because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was a period of time that you could have said that Dirk Nowitzki was the best player of the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> for a period definitely. of time. A couple of years there. But he... he it, there just wasn't ever an opportunity for him to, to be the face of the league. Because the league, they were still trying to figure out that boundary between international and American. So I think fast forward a decade later, where now you see in the the rookie sophomore game has not been transferred into world versus US or, or of some sort. And these initiatives that have been launched in Africa and all these countries, and they, and they do these um, tours in Asia, you know, media is responsible for a lot of that. A lot of that. And some of the biggest stars know that it's one thing to to corner the American market. It's another thing to go over to China and have a presence as well. Right. People overseas are different kinds of fans. They are fanatics. The support is unreal. These people will not know Lick of English, but they'll know all your songs. <laughs> <And> I think <laughs> it's, a pop, it's a pop culture thing. It's a pop culture thing, too.
0: I think part of it is the fact that it's almost like not taboo, but it's an exotic thing. And the fact that you don't have such easy access, you kind of just fantasize. And then it becomes like the real
1: thing Jesus is here. Oh, yeah. And Um, and then, you know, with the the physical specimen, especially in Asia. (laughs) Okay, I went to Thailand a couple years ago, uh, being a friend of mine, and two black women, normal, and people followed us around and took pictures of us, took pictures with us. We just look different, <laughs> you know, and so just imagine these six, eight, seven foot, huge black men. They look at them as gods. They right.
0: do. Yao Ming is actually a testament to that. So the, ex- I'm not going to say experiment, but what they did with Yao Ming was, I guess, kind of a, a test pilot to see how big Yao the, Ming was huge. the exposure would be. And I think it was probably bigger than what they expected.
1: Absolutely. Yao
0: Ming, Yao Ming was, was big.
1: huge. It was big. It expanded uh, TV um in Houston i mean we just uh, we already have a, a, a considerable asian population in Houston so you pair that with an asian s- superstar we got so much coverage i mean now you have a, a separate press row just for china in the in this in the arena it was uh, bananas like people n- know the houston rockets in in, in asia because of yami there were players aaron brooks got a shoe deal in China <laughs> because of the exposure he got from them playing rockets games in Asia
0: see that's for a league that is what you look that's you know additional revenue that you can you know bring in yeah. especially in a league where you're constantly trying to look for different ways to make money you know you haven't even scratched the surface in the international aspect. And I like the fact, like especially with the n f l where they do more games abroad like they've now, done some in England, yeah, um
1: it's progressive,
0: yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely progressive, and that's kind of what you want to have, but you have to have athletes that you feel like can help you know they can foster down.
1: those relationships right. They can represent the league that perform consistently enough to to really be the face of that of those um, um those campaigns,
0: but I think without. The evolution of social media, the evolution of, you know, sports coverage, that would be impossible. How would you even know that, you know, Giannis is, you know, performing like like he's performing here? How would you know about any of this stuff? And I think it really started in 92 at Barcelona. Yeah. Um, I think that was the dream team really just took... NBA abroad and just show that there was an opportunity for NBA to be abroad because there's so many people that gravitated to them when they came into Barcelona. It was like, yo, we need to test this out and see what's there.
1: The way that they won so handedly and the way the players on that team, first of all, I mean, I think if not all of them, top 50 players, greatest players, Hall of Famers, I mean, Hundreds of all-star appearances, championships, MVPs, All-NBA, All-Defense. I mean, the best of the best. The dream team. The dream team. Yeah. It was a dream. It was all a dream. I mean, that representation and that bridge, it really started something. And I think now almost three decades later, I think that it's it's really turning a corner. And technology, of course, is, it, is the impetus of that.
0: Do you ever see... The NBA um, going to say, I guess, London? Like Like expanding. Having a team? Yeah, spend. Well, having a team or even kind of creating its own um, league over there. Because I'm pretty sure they have their own overseas league, Mm -hmm. but an extension of the NBA or actually have a, a, I guess,
1: a. Logistics wise, no. Even the travel coast to coast and going to Canada the the travel and the scheduling is a challenge so to schedule in a a team overseas it probably wouldn't work with with how um frequent the games are and how the scheduling i don't think that they could ever have a nba team in london and you travel like i think the travel would never work logistics of it would never work but having leagues you know and then continuing to do exhibition games overseas in different countries that is only gonna help you know with the impact of, of media and coverage and exposure it would be cool but i just it's just not gonna work just imagine like you're flying from la to london <laughs> and you got a on a back-to-back night well you would it's have to 12-hour flight
0: they would have to schedule where you had like a east coast game and then you went to London and and I think I think
1: with yeah with thirty teams and eighty two games they got enough money they could figure it out I don't know I think that one would be I mean if they
0: if they if they were able to prove that there was a fan base there money talks you'll find a way but I guess it it just doesn't it's
1: It's not feasible for now it's it's not feasible I don't think any league has been able to do that cross continent no that I mean that's pretty ambitious
0: i just I'm just thinking you know in the the broader picture just five ten years from now where where do you see the sports going how do you see it evolving? I know one thing with n f l they've definitely put more emphasis on making the sport safer mm-hmm. um so to a certain extent for some people it just kind of makes they feel like it's making it softer um but also it's shown that it's making it more offensive which makes it more you know
1: entertaining
0: more entertaining so it's just interesting to see.
1: I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, me. I'm like, with all the technology we have and the access that you have, what's the ceiling? Like, where does it go from here?
0: Well, it can go down. Because eventually, you know, sometimes, you you know, eventually you have to peak out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that's not for the next 200 years, but you never know. You yeah. may get to a point where fans are kind of just tired of it. You know, and they want to look at something else. Maybe MMA may become the next, you know, NFL. You never know. If they can figure out a way to make it more where you can get more matches and get more spectators in there. Yeah. It's all about entertainment. And whatever has the best entertainment value, I feel like is going to peak. And they're constantly trying to evolve and find ways to keep, you know, customers entertained. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near its peak. Um, even with NCAA, if you go to NCAA, they still don't play. They pay their players. Right. I think when they start paying their players, I think you'll have a whole different type of game. It's true. And then that will trickle off into the, into the league.
1: Well, if they do decide to do that, I think it's the NCAA and the NBA have to kind of have a meeting of the minds. Because if you start paying players at the collegiate level, it's going to affect their turnover into professional sports. Because some players will, instead of forfeiting eligibility, they'll want to stay for four and five years, make as much money as they can there because they don't know if they'll make it in the next level. But they'll be more developed. They'll be more developed, but now the NBA is lacking those young stars that that come over and start changing and turning over. So could
0: that be part of it? The NBA may be the bottleneck or the... Well... The person that's holding back. The
1: NBA had an effect when they made the age limit. Mm -hmm. There was an effect. And they're talking about removing that age limit. So people are going to start bypassing college yet again. And the NCAA will shift. And you'll see those story programs attract high school players who just want to come and wear that color or play for that coach or be in that, get that exposure. But we're going to see some kind of a shift. I think everything's on a bell curve. It just keeps going up and down, up and down, up and down. You know, the reason why they implemented that age limit is because people were bypassing college coming to the league and stinging it up. Right. (laughs) You know, so now we've come over that hump, and now you're seeing a lot of younger, vibrant players that feel like they can start contributing to the league.
0: It doesn't hurt to get one year of college under your belt. I feel like you're still young. You still need to mature. Outside of just the sport itself, you as an individual, you still need to grow.
1: You one still, one year of college does not make a college experience.
0: It doesn't, but I feel like it's, a, <laughs> it's enough of a, I guess, speed bump.
1: It's a stepping stone, yeah. I guess.
0: I don't feel like you should go straight from the league to the NBA.
1: I am actually in favor of them lifting that age limit. Again, because that... That 19-year limit means you have one year of college, which essentially means nine months. So you're really not getting heartbeating time in school anyway. So to me, just make it that if they're going to bypass college altogether, or they're going to go overseas and and try their hand there before they go to the NBA, or if they're going to try to have a college career and develop that way, let's just laissez-faire, free market.
0: I guess it's, it's more of like a pilot. You know, a test pilot just for the simple fact that you get the test to see if this is really what you want to do. Yeah, of course, you have all this hoopla around you that says, yeah, just go straight to the league. You see all these numbers. But if you actually get into uh, a system where you can actually see what it's going to be like by playing one year in college and also seeing maybe you may want to pursue something else in your life or actually still play college ball, go to the league, but also get a degree because you also know that sports ends at some time.
1: Well, I, I, I feel like them even implementing that, that age limit was just an encourager for people to go to college. And then they thought maybe they'll, after that first year, they'll further assess if they think they should go to the MBA or continue in college. But what it did is actually just push that one and done culture. And it's like, well, we just know that we're just going to college for this year just because we have to. And I know I'm good enough for the league anyway. Let me get my one year in and off I go. It actually did the reverse.
0: I'm with the one and done. I don't feel like you should. You young men know enough about yourself, let alone the business of sports. Most of these people aren't. I don't feel like of mine or have a strong enough group of people who will be able to guide them into that next phase. You're going you're literally going from being a child to a grown man. This is a. A totally different beast that you're not even prepared for. Most of them aren't even prepared for college sports, right? Let alone the league. Like, I,
1: well, I say, I say, open it up, you know, because open
0: the floodgates. Oh,
1: open it up. Sink open or swim. Up. Sink or swim.
0: I can't get rich
1: or die. Trying. I can't
0: allow our young men and women to just go out there. But if
1: you're but if you're gonna do that, then you might as well say at two least years. two years, two or three years, because. You you don't start really finding yourself in college till that third and fourth year anyway that is a fifth fact. or more. You don't years, take college you know serious I
0: mean? until your third year. Yes, your first two years you're really trying to you, find
1: your you way. Just trying to find your way. Yeah, and then I mean you just you grow so much from eighteen to twenty or twenty one. There's a lot that can happen there that can propel you and and have you start going down the path of adulthood and who you're shaping up to be.
0: I think I might campaign for the two and done. Two and done. <laughs> that- but you,
1: tying it back to media, that's what college does for some players. Is like John ja Morant. I don't think he would have um, had this much buzz had he not went to college for a year, did well, got some exposure. So now his his name is in in, in the forefront.
0: John ja Morant, great. You know he's going to be a great draft. But Zion, this is the year of the Zion. This is the year of the Zion. But this is just goes to show you how, <laughs> how big the sport is, how big marketing is. Because this has just really been about marketing. Zion. They pumped
1: too much into Zion. Don't set this boy up to fail.
0: But that just goes.
1: It's too much. It's too much. They're already calling for this man to be in the Hall of Fame. He hasn't stepped a foot on an NBA court. And we know that the college arena and the NBA court are too. Totally different things. We have seen so many promising figures excel in college and come to the NBA and bust, bust out of here. We've seen. But the seen sport,
0: it. the sport, that just goes to show you how thirsty the sport is for buzz. It is very thirsty. Buzz. We're they, in a
1: thirsty period right and it, now. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah. There's, and you have to be about media is thirsty. But
0: yeah. that's another reason why I think a lot of these kids need to at least do one year because you're getting thrown to the wolves. You're getting people that are telling you all these good things and you don't understand this is a business. As soon as you get hurt, as soon as you're not scoring double-doubles, as soon as your team is out of contention, you're no longer a factor. We're on to the next. And you've been built up for this, not knowing that you're going to be thrown to the wolves or thrown to the wayside as soon as your career goes out.
1: That one one year is such filler space.
0: I would take one year versus no years.
1: But even if people decide out of high school that I'm good enough for the NBA, you're not going to get drafted anyway. So... (laughs) Most of y'all don't going to get drafted anyway. So, so why not I think, go to I college? Think what, I think, what they, exactly, I think that what they should do is that if somebody comes out of high school and declares their, their, themselves for the NBA draft and then they don't get drafted, don't let them go to college then.
0: So go back.
1: Yeah, let them be like, okay, well, I tried. I didn't make it. Let me go to college and try the college game and develop more. But isn't it something to, when you declare yourself – for the NBA draft you' eligible you're ineligible let's right. stop that get a, you know do away with the one and done rule, open it back up. but if a high school player puts their hat in a race and it doesn't get picked up, then let them go to college or does that do something with recruiting the the timing of it maybe
0: possibly um, especially if you there. think about it from a scholarship perspective mm, yeah. um, if we allotted a certain a certain amount of money. And then this person is—we're not—we take him off the books, and we have this assigned for somebody else. Then that could be an issue, but that's minor.
1: It's when you minor, think about think the amount of money that you're, you're bringing around, in, I think you can work around that. I think so. So well, that's I mean, interesting. yeah, it is. It is. I just sometimes I look at social media, and I'm frightened. You know, it's 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 too free. Anyone can have a handle. Anyone can say anything. And you know what? Sometimes too much of a good thing is a bad thing.
0: But you have to take it with a grain of salt and understand that with anything, you have your pros and your cons. And it's only going to grow. I don't know where it's going to grow to, but it's going to grow probably bigger and faster and more impactful than we even expected. Because I don't even think, when you think about it, newspapers at that time was... The end all be all. We've never seen social media coming.
1: Like never. Oh my god, it hit us square in the jaw. It's so addictive. It is very addictive. It is.
0: People are waiting for the next big thing to come.
1: I guess only virtual
0: reality. <laughs> virtual
1: reality. That'd be fine if I'm able to virtually reality myself into the game instead of paying for it. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Let's work on that technology. Yeah. I guess with social media, only the strong survive.
0: I do know, I do know,